How cool is he? All that he's done. All that he's done. Grab a seat. You know, he's the God of the all, isn't he? That's very quiet. Yes, Greg. I'm not nuts. Or maybe a little. I think you have to be to be a follower of Jesus. A little bit out there, a little bit edgy. All that he's done, this is amazing grace. I love that saying, uh, God's riches at Christ's expense is what grace is. It's God's riches at the expense of the Son for us, for you. And Christianity is to be personalized, isn't it? It's to be known. It's not something that's outside of you. It's something who you are. I was having a conversation with a lady yesterday at Heather Harrison's birthday, and um, we were talking, and, and, I, and I said, and also to another gentleman, I said, you know, it's really, people ask you what you do, and I don't know how to answer that, because it's who I am, it's not what I do, it's not a job, it's a calling, it's a life, uh, it's not defined by what I do, it's defined by who he is in me. And who I am in Him. And it has a whole different parameter around it. It's funny that people want to box people. We, you know, we, we always ask, What do you do, not who are you? We're so unrelational <laughs> and so functional. Um, and we need to be more relational. And how many of you all know it's the power of God that brings you into the faith of God? It's not your wisdom. It's not your ability to learn and study that brings you into faith. It's God's power. And that's what I want to look at um, today, which is so connected to hope. I don't know if you guys can fix that scratching or you want to change me over. Um, because Paul said these words in 1 Corinthians 2. He said that I'm not a man of persuasive words. I'm a man of power and in demonstration of a reality that is. So that your faith would not rest on persuasive words. That your faith wouldn't rest on your ability to understand the words in a book. No, that your faith would rest on the power of God. So what... Is your faith resting on? Where is it resting in? Is it in your ability to try and come to know him or is it in his power to bring you into the knowledge of God? I remember having a conversation once and the conversation was around how do you know, how do you get to know God's love? I said, you don't get to know it, you receive it person looked at me quite peculiar like what I said you don't come to know God through the intellect you receive God and that brings knowledge it's a completely different operating system it's called the wisdom of heaven against the wisdom of the world see the wisdom of the world tries to understand God through its ability in the intellect but you never will you never can that's why you 
if you're going through that operating system, you'll lack life because you're not in the right operating system that brings life. You're in the world's operating system, and that's lifeless. Yes? And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying that I don't come to you now in persuasive words because I used to. You see, I used to think I was somebody. I used to have all the words. I used to know the law back to front. I used to know upside down. He said, I was going beyond my counterparts. I was a man of the Torah. I was a man of the law. I knew it upside down. I could quote it in my sleep. He said, but no longer do I come to you like that. Why? Busy because he had an encounter with the power of God, didn't he? Who is the power of God? Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians teaches us that. So he had an encounter with Jesus. You know when you encounter Jesus, life changes. And all of a sudden, you're brought into a realm that you once weren't in. It's like he takes you from this world that you think you see and hear all in, and all of a sudden you're catapulted out of that realm into another realm. But you're still on earth. You still know your Greg Simnor. You still know your mum and dad. You still know you have brothers. It's not like everything changes. You don't know who you are. You know more now of who you actually were called to be. And you start discovering this whole different other life. Anyone relate to what I'm talking about? It's like it's a whole different world opens up. It's called the kingdom of God. But see, to enter into the kingdom, your faith must rest on the power of God to bring you into that kingdom. Not in your and my ability to try and understand through our intellect. God says that I want to give you my mind. So we are to have the mind of Christ. But the mind of Christ comes through the power of Christ. Everything is connected to Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus Christ said on the revelation of myself, I will build my people. I'll build my people that are full of love, are full of joy, full of peace, full of hope. Why? Because the God of hope has filled the church with all hope. And that's what we've been looking at in this whole commandment thing is like Jesus promises us a reality, doesn't he? He says, if you keep my word, the love of God will be perfected in you. Which means that the love of God isn't perfected in me, then I'm not keeping the word of God. It can be harsh to hear that, but it's the truth. And God gives us the truth so we'd know what truth is, so we know what to aim for. Otherwise, we're aimlessly aiming at nothing. And we're just living in this kingdom of the world life, realizing, asking, why aren't I experiencing this life that I read about in the scriptures? You're tracking with me? So Paul came and he said, guys, I'm not a man of these persuasive words, but I am a man of words and wisdom. But I'm no longer that man. I'm now this new man. I've been born again. And because I'm now entering into this born again life through the power of God, see, the man's life was the demonstration of the power of God, wasn't it? So often we think power is physical realities. Paul firstly is saying the power of God is my demonstration of being Paul now, no longer Saul. See, it always starts on the inside before it's external. We're always external trying to get it on the end. God says, I'm about the end, getting it out. <laughs> See, when you're about people of words, you try and understand it, don't you? You try and actually, instead of coming from within you, 
Why? Because you don't try and understand it, you receive it, and that brings understanding. We don't understand to believe, we believe to understand, which means you need to know what believing means, because believing is to be fully convinced of something that already is written. Prophesy like it's already done. Why? Because I know what's already written, because I've come into faith through the power of God. If you're writing notes, put these three words down, power, revelation, faith. Can someone do me a favor? Simon, could you maybe just bring me a little big, large whiteboard, bro? Um, it's a cool way how he takes us on these tracks. Like In my speaking, I'm, I am, and I'm trying to get to this place where I just completely and in the moment have some stuff but don't want to just trust in what I have. It's like it's living and it's sharper and it's coming in the moment. And so it's coming as I'm speaking, um, which is so cool and so living. So you have this thing called power, revelation, faith. You can write it the other way around. Faith, revelation. Power. I think that's right. Is that how I wrote it in my notes? Let me just have a quick look. Yeah, that makes sense. So Jesus is the power of God. He brings revelation. Then you have faith. Jesus, who's the power of God, brings revelation. You have faith. Last week, I saw a woman stand here and deliver the word of the Lord, which was an awesome, phenomenal word. Not words, word. But as I stood there and looked at her, and this is something Danny pointed out to me afterwards as well, and I was thinking about something else. I said, you know, before Mel spoke anything, she was delivering a message. If you weren't here, she had her six-year-old baby right here. Six-week-old, sorry. What did I say? That's a pretty pretty small baby for six-week-old. Six-week-old child here, asleep as she spoke. She was communicating a person who knows the power of God because they're in faith. This isn't to make anyone feel small or anything, but you know the amount of people I hear, when life changes, I have to stop doing everything and focus now on what just is the new thing. Could be I got married, could be I had a baby, could be I had a new job, could be something new comes along. All of a sudden, what I was serving the Lord in, I drop, and now I become... And focus, you know, don't do that. Because you know what you do? You just shift in perspective and priority. And I saw Mel stand here and deliver a message with a baby on her chest. And the baby stayed asleep the whole time. Here's a funny sign, isn't it? Why? Because power. Why? Because when you're in the life of God and the life of God in you, the Bible says that God surrounds you like a shield. He has favor that surrounds you like a shield. There's no favorites in God, but there is favor. So we all have the same opportunity to have the same favor, but it comes at a lifestyle. Why? Because my faith rests on God's power. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. 
I really love, I'm in love with Paul. Not Costello, although I do love Paul. (laughs) He's awesome. But the Apostle Paul, I'm in love with the man in a right sense of the word love. The man laid down his life that we could receive things. The man lived a life so Christ-like that God allowed him to say, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. There's something about Paul's life, I'm writing about it now in my second book, around God said, I want you to study his life, firstly for your own growth, and to receive what's in the word, and then to declare what I start to show you. If there's one man that I would encourage you to go have a look at his process, his process, not his outcome. Don't chase the man's outcome, chase the man's process. We all need to hear that because the first thing we do is give me the how to get that outcome. No, no, you need to know the outcome. You need to know the destiny. You need to know the destination of where you're going. But that's about 5%. is process. Look at Paul's process. This is one of the things he's talking about in his process. So he says, I'm no longer this man of persuasive words. We're going to look at that. He's just finished talking about the wisdom of God, the wisdom of the world. Okay? He says, God takes the things that are not and he makes them are. Yes? He confounds us with this incredible capacity to make nothing and create something. John the Baptist? Really? The word of the Lord came to John the Baptist. Anyone know who John the Baptist is? You know, when the religious Pharisees, the system, the religious system, which can be in our hearts and minds, and no different to you and I, those people, when they wanted to know who he was, they didn't even go themselves. They sent their secondary guys out. They couldn't figure him out. They asked, well, how come you're baptizing if you have no title, if you have no position? The man knew exactly who he was. Why? Because he'd been brought into faith through power. He knew who he was. He knew the gift on his life. But he said, I'm a nobody and I have a voice in the wilderness. But I'm a nobody that knows somebody. And the somebody knows who I am. I pray your identity would be in God and not in your family, your children, your husband, your wife, your parents, your grandparents, your cousins, your uncles, your aunties, any family member, any person beside you, your gifting, your ministry, your passions, but in him and only him. Because then only then will you experience the fullness of life. And your foundation is not puff pastry, but it's a concrete sandwich. It's a little bit hard to eat. <laughs> Takes time to chew on it. And yet the word of the Lord came to John the Baptist, who was a nobody but a somebody. I love it, eh? The cross, he says, 
Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to a Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Gentiles, foolishness, but to those who are the called. Both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1.17 says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. Don't you love that? I've been given the assignment to bring to light the eternal, heavenly word of the Father. And I'm not going to do it in cleverness of speech because I don't want to confuse things here. Because I know how man works. And I know man tries to understand things through his mind first. And yet God gives us our mind, wants us to use our mind. But in the absolute flow of his design, not in the flow of our state that we once were. But how many people know you can bring that state with you when you come into the kingdom? That's why the Bible says it's on the renewing of the mind that you're transformed. And as you're transformed through the renewing of your mind, so now you're actually living from the mind of Christ, what are you able to do? Prove what the will of God is. Do you know how you prove it? By living it. That's how you prove what God's will is because you live it. You become it. The Bible says sanctification is the will of God, which is where God wants his word and his spirit renewing, transforming. So you're literally coming into the image of his son which means you can live like the sun, walk in the manner in which the sun walks. So Paul's saying, yeah, well, I don't preach this gospel with fancy words because I don't want to make it void of the power that it needs to live this life out. He could have. He was an incredibly intelligent man, but he came to the end of that. And then when he started again, he was an incredibly intelligent man, but now in the right order. So then he says this in 1 Corinthians 2. I love it. Paul's reliance upon the Spirit. Are you relying on the Spirit of God or in your own strength? What do you rely on? Where is your faith planted in? Power of God or the wisdom of man? When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Remember, this was the man that was killing the church. Now he's saying, I'm coming to you in a position of weakness and in fear and in much trembling. This is a completely different reality, isn't it, to the Saul man that was full of bravado, full of, full of. A little bit like Peter, he was full of. 
Why? Because, see, the man received power. Power brings humility. Not our ability to be humble or try to be humble. Anyone try to be humble? You try to do the right thing. You try to be a good Christian. You try to. You try. It's all coming from your own strength. It never lasts, does it? It's painted as Christianity. And I'm not saying we're not to do works because that's very clear, but the works come from the power that's within you. The Bible was clear in that description. It says that we serve from the strength that God has given us, not from my own ability to do any longer. That's flesh works. That's me thinking I'm supposed to do good works and I do it out of my own strength because I don't know the power. So I'm living in a power, but it's not the power the Bible's talking about. It's my power, my willpower. It's a powerful thing. My willpower can get me quite a long way, my willpower, can't it? But that's got nothing to do with what he's talking about and the Bible talks about. It's a whole different power source. Willpower is of the kingdom of darkness, where I'm from. He wants to give me his will. Oh, he wants me to do his will in his strength, under his anointing. Why? So I can't boast. Have you heard that one? Yeah. I can't take credit for it. I can't go, look at me, look at my ministry, look at this. How many of you got saved? How many of you laid hands on? All from boasting of flesh. Do you see that in Jesus? No. Do you see it in Paul? No. Do you see it in man? You better believe it. Why? Because we haven't yet received the power which brings humility of spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Not the poor in flesh, the poor in spirit. What brings you to being humble is power. Who is the power of God? Jesus. On the revelation of Jesus, I build a humble church. But a humble church is a powerful church. Now we're going to flip it. A humble church knows the authority of God, so it's powerful. When I'm weak, now that I become strong. So God doesn't leave you in the sense he then edifies you, lifts you up, and now you live because why? You're reliant on the spirit of God, not on the flesh of man. So then Paul, who's clearly defining this to the Corinthians, it's almost like his job description. He's saying, guys, I come to you. I don't come to you in this form. I come to you in this form. I was with you in weakness and much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Wow. That your faith, it wouldn't rest on your ability, but on his ability. Come with me to 2 Corinthians. It's 1.17. 2 Corinthians 1. No, is that the wrong one? Sorry, 2 Corinthians 4.13. 2 Corinthians 4.13. Paul's apostolic ministry is what the title is called. Verse 13. 
he says this, but having the same spirit of faith according to what is written. Do you and I have a faith in accordance to what is already written? Or do we have our version of it? He says, you're to have a faith that's in accordance to what is written. Which means you need to know biblical faith that's written. Tracking with me? We don't come up with our own version and go, well, I think this and I think that, and there's like 10 opinions in the room. You and I need to have biblical faith. If we have biblical faith, then we live from biblical faith. Make sense? What do you think a church looks like that lives from biblical faith? Do you think it looks a bit like Paul? Do you think it looks a bit like the early church? Do you think it's able to love one another as God loves? Isn't that what we looked at over the last three weeks? Those people that keep my word, the love of God is truly perfected in them. So they're able to walk in the manner in which Jesus walked. So the evidence of being in the word is having God's perfect love grown in you. Should I say that again? The evidence of actually keeping the word of God through the commandments is actually experiencing the tangible love of heaven in you. If you're not in that You're covered by his love, but you're not abiding in him. He is in you, you're not abiding in him. Because he's telling you explicitly, clearly, that if you keep his word, then the love of heaven is perfected in you. He can't get any clearer than that. The challenge is you need ears to hear what was just declared and receive it through the power. So then it becomes alive in you and you're like, okay? It should take your breath away, okay? This is why he said you need to hear the word. When we hear the word through the power of God, our breath is taken away. Sandra, in her dream, after seeing what she saw, I guarantee you, if you talk to her, she was very breathless. It's like, heaven has spoken to me. (gasps) And the word is spoken to apprehend us and to grab us in love and to propel us into the life that Jesus came to give us. And that's what Paul's saying. He said, I'm I'm in this life, but I didn't come into it through man's wisdom, through four PowerPoints and nice points and pictures and really nice stories of things. I came into it through the power of God to propel me from being Saul into Paul. And I continue to live as Paul as the way I came into Paul, not as Saul. Because you can go backwards You can come in and then go back under the law and try to understand everything the way you used to. And that's why there's no life, because you and I are going from, not from to another. God in 2 Corinthians talks about the glory in the glory. And it talks about under the Old Testament, on what was written on the stone, there was a glory. 
Hence, when God gave it to Moses and Moses came down, his face shone and the glory shone. And he put a, a veil over his face so the people wouldn't see that the glory was fading. Not because they were scared so they wouldn't see the glory fades. You know, you and I are living with a glory that never fades. He goes, you've gone from this glory to that glory, not going from glory to glory to glory. He says, I'm taking you from this glory, which was old. But the covenants of old, the commandments, had glory on them. But they were now old because there's something has superseded that glory. It's called Jesus Christ. And when the veil comes off you, you've gone from that old glory, guys, to the new glory. And it never fades. Christ in me, the hope of glory. But I can't bring myself into that hope of glory. It's the power of God through revelation that births the glory. And Jesus said, I give you my glory, my children. So then we have to wrestle with the fact and the reality of where am I really at? And it's okay to ask those questions. It's okay because you're covered by love. You're covered, you're in the family. And God says, please ask the questions so you can truly know where you're truly at because I've called you for much. But as long as you keep trying to bring yourself into the faith through man's ability, persuasive words, what you do is you take and make the cross void. You've just shrunk what my son did because you think you can come into this new life through your ability. If that was the case, he never had to die. And it's the day you realize that, the day you start, life can start. And Paul's saying this, and he says, then I pray. So then you see this, by having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed. Therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written. So faith, the Bible declares is this, the assurance of what you hope for. Who is our hope to be in? Jesus. So you have an assurance of hope in Christ. Christ in me is the hope of glory. We are to be the most hope-filled people on the planet. Why? Because the God of hope will fill you with all peace and joy so you can be hope. What through? The power of God, Romans 13, 15. So he says faith is the assurance of what you hope for. It's the evidence of things unseen. So he says you have to have a faith in things that are unseen. Our faith is to be in things that no other people can see. Why? Because they don't have the Spirit of God. So God gives you and I the Holy Spirit. This is what he's about to talk to the Corinthians about. For the things freely that are given. He says there are things freely given that God has prepared for you and I that no eye has seen, ear has heard, has not yet entered the heart of man. All that God has prepared for those who what? Love him. So if you love him, you spend the time with him, the Holy Spirit then reveals all the things that no eye has seen, ear has heard. Why? Then you have faith so you see what those things are. Then you proclaim what those things are. Prophesy like it is done. When you speak, you're speaking what is already accomplished in Christ. 
You're living from a new dimension. You are living from the resurrected life. Paul said, I want to know the resurrected power of heaven. Again, I want to know more of it. The man had a barrel full of it. He said, I want to know you more. I want to know the power of your resurrection, Philippians 3.10, and I want to have fellowship with your sufferings. You cannot have fundamentally fellowship with with his sufferings if you don't have that. Your flesh will run. You won't, trust me, you won't be able to be persecuted. It happens all the time in the little stuff. Someone comes in front of you, wah! Someone doesn't invite you somewhere, somewhere, some, something. Someone might say something about you. Work colleague does this, work colleague does that. You miss out on this, you man. What comes out of you? Love? Forgiveness? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. See? Why? Because you kept the word. And the love of God is perfected in you. So when the love of God is perfected in you because you keep the word, you're able to walk in the manner in which Jesus Christ walked. Because the love in you overcomes what's coming at you. But what happens when the pressure goes on and the test comes on and what's coming at you is greater than the power that's in you? I'll tell you what happens. Greg comes out rather than Christ comes out. Well, that's not Greg and me, the hope of glory. So this faith, I pray, he says, Corinthians, I don't want your faith to rest on man's wisdom. I want it to rest on the power of God. Come and meet Ephesians 1. I'm going to show you something incredible. This word is so alive. It is not boring. This is the most exciting, life-giving. It's not a book, but it is a book. comes in book form, but it's a person. When you ask the Holy Spirit to join you and walk with you on the journey of understanding the mysteries that God has put within you, And as the power of God comes and reveals what's there within you, man, life changes. You have so much hope, so much love, so much joy, so much patience, so much. It's like, man, I want to do, I want to dance. This is the opportunity we have. But once again, I want to stress it will not come through your ability to enter into it. It comes through your surrender and your weakness. That's how it comes. We don't really quite like that, but that's how it comes. So he says this, this is Paul again, Ephesians 1.15, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, so he's heard about this faith that exists within this group of people, same faith. He knows what he's looking for. 
And when he sees it, he calls it out and he speaks of it all the time. And your love for all the saints, you do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in what? The knowledge of God. Okay? First thing, that the the, the uh, God of our, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you. Does that say that you can figure that out? Who gives you it? God. So then it's about receiving it, isn't it? So we've received and we're receiving. Okay? It's both and more. A spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The knowledge of God is the food source that changes you and I. Keep the word, 1 John 2, 6. Keep the word, which is what? Who? Jesus, the truth, the knowledge. Okay, And you're able to have the love of heaven perfected in you. Who is love? God. So God is being perfected in you if you keep God, that God gives. I pray that the eyes of your heart, not the eyes in your head, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, your spiritual eyes, so that you will know. It's not, it's you'll know. It's gnosko. It's you'll have an absolute, absolute knowledge. You really what he wants you to know? Well, he wants you to know the knowledge of him. Remember we said that? There's four things you need to write down if you're writing notes. Knowledge of God. God wants you to know him way beyond that you know him today because your whole life will change. Okay, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. Number two, you'll know what the hope is of God's calling. He says, walk in the manner to which you have been called. So you and I have been called for a purpose that you and I need to know. It's not aimless, and the purpose is of one for the body of Christ first. It's not individual purposes. It's one purpose, intent on the one purpose. What does he say? The same faith. Oh, there's that word again. Same spirit, same love, the same purpose, intent on one purpose. So the easiest thing would be to do is just to tell you it, and it will go in an ear, out an ear, and you'll have no knowledge. So the wise thing to do is to encourage you to go seek and get self-revelation because the Holy Spirit has been given to all to lead all into all truth. And Jesus said, unless you can hear, then you'll just hear stuff and it'll go in and out and it'll be another day and nothing has changed. But when you go seeking because you're an archaeologist and archaeologists go digging for stuff that's hidden and you find it, history is made. Your life changed because you found something. And maybe that could be the story about the man that found the pearl in the field and then went and sold everything because what he found through the power of God was incredible. 
So there's this calling that God wants you and I to know. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Wow, how many people have got a really amazing inheritance awaiting them? In the physical, I mean. Anyone got like a million bucks stored up? You've got a loving parent, grandparent, you're sitting and it's just waiting for a time to be unlocked and then you are becoming the million, you know, everyone's friend. (laughs) Okay, so there's an inheritance that awaits the saints. It's in an eternal realm, but it can be seen and known today. Why? Because the power that brings me into faith, and faith enables me to see what's in the eternal. So I can know, because he said, I pray you would know what the hope of the calling is. I pray you'd know what the inheritance that is for you that awaits, which is now. This is getting exciting, isn't it? So those are three things that we can know. Then he says, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who are fully convinced? Believe. I added fully convinced. But the word believe is to be fully convinced. Okay, now here's the key. These things that I've just said to you, those four areas, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised Christ from the dead. So I read that again. These things, those four things, what are they? To know him, to have this incredible knowledge of Christ, which will change our lives. And all those three things are contained in the knowing of God. You would know the hope of his calling, why you were even born and the purposes of the Father the riches of the glory of his inheritance that are in the saints. We are called to be the saints. Do you not know the saints will judge the world? 1 Corinthians 6, 1 to 2. Who are the saints? Judge the world? I'm not Donald Trump. What are you talking about? The saints are to judge the world. When? Where? When Jesus returns. This is your inheritance. Do you know it? Are you living for it? Yeah, it's good, do you have an intellectual knowledge or do you have a living convictional knowledge which is changing you because of what you actually know, not what you think you know? And what is the supporting grace of his power toward us who are fully convinced? What well, of those things, these are in accordance. See, these things are connected. What did I say? Prophesy like it is done. What is written down Okay, it is written, it is finished. So those things are in accordance with the working of the strength of God's might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Do you see why Paul said, I want to know more of the resurrected power? I want to know the power that raised Christ from the dead in me because I already know what those things are and there's more to know. It's the power of God that brought to life those things that Paul can write about. Paul knows what those things are. He writes them in his letters, but do we have eyes to see and ears to hear? Not because we're trying to come into this faith through the wisdom of man, but through the power of heaven. I pray that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. For then you will know the things of God. 
Let's jump back to 1 Corinthians 2, and then I'll finish. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6, he says this, Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age. When he says mature, he's not talking about you've been walking with Jesus 30 years. He's talking about your spiritual maturity. He's talking about your absolute knowledge that you have of God that's changed you. And you're living this full-on life, walking in the manner as Jesus walked, okay? We confuse the two. We think we're mature because we've made a commitment in 1950. And now we've been, it's like you could be the most immature baby on the planet. And he's about to give you a reference for it as well. So you actually know where you're truly at out of love, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we, we, man, this, we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. This is not everybody, okay? The we is not everybody. The we are people, men and women that he knows. You can't claim this and go, that's us. And I'm going to give you the reason why. It's massive. You try and claim some stuff that you're not in, you're actually causing, you're a liar, That's why he says, if you think you know God but don't keep the commandments, you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. Mel said that last week, unbelief is a sin. You're calling God a liar and you need to be apprehended from that and spun around. His love is covering you, but he wants his love in you so your words and your actions are one thing. And he tells you this. We've claimed the mind of Christ and I'm going to prove to you something in the next verse and we need to get this. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, hidden wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory. There's that word again. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord. That's why he's able to say, Father, forgive them, because he knows they don't know what they were doing. He knows they were operating from a fake, phony, counterfeit system. And because he's in the real system, he has the real deal, he's able to love on what just killed him. And he then says, my people, you are too. Can you hear what I'm saying? Can you hear what I've been saying for four weeks? I'm telling you that you can love like heaven if you keep the word, the eternal word. You are not a mere man. You are not a mere woman. You are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven and the potential that is in you and I to live like Christ is overwhelmingly abundant. And so I'm trying to stir the church and who will ever listen to who she's really called to be, but I know it runs the risk of offense. I know I run the risk of offending you. My heart is not to offend. My heart is to see you, me, together walk in the full life and no longer be caught and stuck in stuff that Jesus died for. Amen? And so was Paul. And he's this man that has gone before us. So he says this, But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, So there are things that still need to enter the heart of man. There are things that you and I still don't know. We we haven't all arrived there yet. 
What does he say? All that God has prepared for those who love him. So there's all these things that God has prepared in his heart, in reality, for those who love him. Then Paul says, for to us, in verse 10, for to us, this people, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. See why you need the Spirit of God? The Holy Spirit needs to become your best mate, your best friend. We have to know him intimately. He knows us. Do we know him? Do we know his voice? Can we hear his voice? Do we know his presence? Because he's been sent with a mission to lead us to know the things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. See, if you're trying to come and understand God through your own intellect, you're never going to do it. You're trying to come in through man's wisdom, not the power of God, the power of the Spirit to lead you into the mindset of God. So then you can live and we can live from this place. It's just like I can't know Danny's thoughts right now. She could be thinking a whole lot of things. She could be planning a holiday and I'm paying for it and I don't know. Well, just like I can't know her thoughts right now, I can't know God's thoughts unless the Spirit comes and leads me to know His thoughts. It is completely outside of my capacity to know my wife's thoughts while she's thinking them right now. Well, I can't know God's thoughts either unless the Spirit reveals God's thoughts, reveals the depth of what? The inheritance in the saints. Those things I just talked about in Ephesians. Now we, this is where it gets amazing, man. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Why? So that we, these people again, may know the things freely given to us by God. Do you want to know the things freely given to you by God? Which things we also speak. So they've had a revelation of things given and then he declares them. He has written them down. He speaks. Jesus spoke and wrote. And Paul knows what these things are, this, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. We have been given the Holy Spirit. If we're still trying to live by one without the Spirit, then we are natural. We are born again, but we will live naturally. Do you understand what I mean by that? You will live from your soul. Your mind, your will, your emotion will determine how you hear everything. That'll be your filter. So you'll live from fear, not faith. Insecurity, not identity. You'll live from the flesh. You'll have deeds of the flesh, not fruit of the Spirit. Even though you've been given the capacity to live and walk in the Spirit, you'll actually have deeds of the flesh. And that'll hold you back. And God doesn't want anyone to hold back. He wants them to fly, doesn't he? Through the power of God, come to me. Doesn't he say things like young men will grow weary? But when you come and wait on the Lord, I will renew your strength and you will fly like an eagle. Young men have more strength and power than an old man. That's why he doesn't say an old man. He makes a point saying a young man. 
will run, 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 become weary. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength through the power of the gospel and receive amazing things. Verse 15, but he who spiritually appraises all things, yet he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord? that he will instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ, okay? What I've heard in the church is everyone grabs this, runs with it, and goes, I got the mind of Christ. 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 I got the mind. Okay, so if you've got the mind of Christ, your life should reflect that. Yeah. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. If you think like Jesus, you don't think from the kingdom of darkness. So we have the mind of Christ in seed form. And God wants to grow that seed and enlarge that seed through the power of revelation, which births faith. Because faith sees who you really are, not who you're not. Who you might tell yourself who you are, but you're not. So your language determines, determined by your thought processes. Are you tracking with me? So to have the mind of Christ, fully mind of Christ, be mature, is you, your language changes, your thoughts change. And because of that, your whole life changes and you're able to walk in the manner Jesus walked because you can see it, you can live for it because the power of God has propelled you into it. Okay? So then Paul says this to these Corinthians, which I find fascinating because he says this to the church. And I, brethren, so if everyone in this Corinthian church claims they have the mind of Christ, okay, then why does he say to them, I could not speak to you as to spiritual men? If every one of the Corinthians, everyone in the church had the mind of Christ, why is he even saying this? So why does he say, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. So you're infants in Christ, you're in Christ, but you're not yet able to receive a greater reality of the word. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. So you're still fleshly. You're still trying to rely on your ability to come into the word of God. And yet, the chapter before this is he's saying there are things that have been freely given to us by God that we would know, that we would understand, that we would speak tracking so the more you have the mind of Christ of what is already done and written you are speaking you cannot contain yourself you're looking for someone who'll listen even if it's the dog Layla is the most preached at dog on the planet you have substance it's got to come out you're looking for anyone who'll listen who's got ears because of what's in you So do you have that because you've got the mind of Christ? It'll, it, you can't separate the reality and the theory. It's all one thing. If you've got it, you're living in it. Okay, And that's what we have to realize. His love is covering the gap. Isn't he, aren't you grateful his love covers the gap? Yeah. I'm so grateful his love is covering my lack, my gap. But the gap can get smaller and smaller. 
Because the more I have the mind that's been revealed, because the power is bringing me into revelation, and revelation births faith, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. And if I've got the greatest of love, I can live like love. And then he just goes on. He tells you what looking like immature looks like. He says this, For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Jealousy is motivated from lack. Insecurity. And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? So people who have the mind of Christ, they're not jealous. They're not strifeful. Why? Because they have the mind of Christ. And they have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of heaven. You have the heart of heaven. You're able to love. You're secure. Your identity is in Christ. Your purpose, your calling is in Christ. I'm not going to have to fight with Paul for position. Why would I be fighting with Paul? Why would Paul fight with me to be in my function and mine on him? I'm designed a certain way to flow in a certain way. I fight with others because I don't know who I am. I live from lack. Why? Because I don't actually have the mind of Christ. Because I don't know the things that are freely given to me. Because when I know the things freely given to me, man, you're telling me it's for all of us and there's all a place? Yep. Everyone. And there's room for everybody. And it never runs dry. And although we might go through things, we might be pressed and crushed, you know what? Life comes. Why? Final statement. Because I'm resting on the power of God, not the wisdom of man. Amen. That's it. So Father, I thank you that you are faithful. Like the song says, you are faithful. And as we surrender and as we come to you with a humble heart, a hungry, thirsty heart, God, you want to show us yourself. You want to bring us into a realm of rest. You want to propel us into life. And you want to share your calling for us in a way that's real and tangible. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would, that we would play our part. I know you'll play yours. In Jesus' name. Amen.